Hello and welcome to episode 265 of the In Squash podcast. I'm your host, Jerry Gibson, and today, hot off the heels of Ep 264 with Kareem Abdul-Gawad, we have RJ Mitchell here to break down the British Open with me, and we'll be uh, taking on a few other topics as well. So uh, before we get into that, though, let's just uh, have a few words about our sponsor here on the podcast open squash uh the squash nonprofit whose mission is to open access to squash to the general public that's how they got their name open squash it's the expression of their mission statement and if you've listened listened to the panel discussion we had a few episodes back you'll know you can learn more about that uh, their designation as a nonprofit means just that they don't make a profit 100 percent of the money they generate is put back into making squash more accessible and more affordable for everybody this means primarily through their junior scholarship fund and their membership support fund you should really check uh, also you should really check out their swag page where you can find a great selection of tees and hoodies the rally on tee the squash shoe of liberty tee the word mark tee and the open squash zip hoodie check this out on the website at opensquash.org where all proceeds there go towards the junior scholarship fund now let's talk british open with squash mads R.J. Mitchell on episode 265. But R.J., uh, it's fantastic. Many thanks for uh, uh, the short notice uh, agreeing to come on. Uh, we've got the British Open coming up, uh, the most prestigious uh, event on the squash uh, calendar. A lot of history there. And uh, really appreciate you coming on. Before we get into it, uh, how's everything with you? Uh, some great stuff there on Squash Mad of late. Uh, we we'll, may hopefully have time to talk about, about that. At the end, sure, sure, yeah, yeah. No, we've get we've uh, we've had uh, some good stuff up. Obviously, a uh, a uh, my interview with Jahangir Part mm. One uh, went up yesterday, um, uh, in which he gives his insight for the first time really on Asal. I thought that was very interesting. Uh, his phraseology about uh, playing clean, and uh, you know that uh, Mustafa really has to think about the the role model aspect of it, and uh, and you know how that impacts on the, the younger people that that hold him so highly uh, in, in regard. And, and, and Jahangir spoke a bit about uh, some of the, the, the guys that, uh, he, you know, he held in high regard. Jeff Hunt, who, of course, he knocked off the, the world number one perch and, and and dethroned him both as world champion and British Open champion. Jonah Barrington before him, that kind of stuff. And uh, part two next week, uh, Jahangir will be giving us the lowdown on his uh, dark horses and runners and riders at the British Open um, and also uh, we'll be telling the tale of how Jahangir won the 1983 British Open before he'd actually crunched a forehand uh, okay. so that's yeah, that's an interesting one um, was, that when he was, uh, was that when he was 17 when he won that? Was he uh, no, that, I think he was 18. I think that was the second one he won. His yeah. first one, I think, was 82. Um, so, yeah. So, oh, well, oh, good. RJ, well, now that we're talking about I was going to save it to the end, but I, I want uh, to talk about what his his comments on Mustafa. But uh, we might as well, now that we're into it, just start there. Uh, I mean, uh, I thought it was, a you know, what he had to say was very, very uh, valuable. It, it, uh, it very sort of hit the nail on the head. And he did it in such a, you know, in the way that it should be uh, said. I mean, it, it, it as advice, as a suggestion, as a way forward. Uh, he didn't in any way. It didn't seem like he was attacking him. He was just saying, look, "No, no, absolutely look. not." In it, fact, it, it almost it almost seemed like he 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 was praising him for his squash. Yeah, yeah. Well, he's a fan of his squash, but he's also concerned about how Mustafa is. Because we haven't really heard anything from, from Mustafa since the ban, but we've heard plenty from Daddy Mustafa. Uh, and uh, I, I'm not sure what he said really helps. Um, uh, you know, I, I, I just don't, uh, you know, I, I, I've spoken to Mustafa on several occasions. Very nice young man to speak to. Really enjoyed speaking to him. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I just wonder what the advice is he's getting in his camp. When his father comes out and says what he does, uh, I, I don't see how that helps. 
Uh, I, you know, and he, you know, he's an older man with the experience of you know, the world of experience of being a, a man of the world, and really, uh, that's what surprises me about what he said. But then, is that because he's Mustafa's father, and he's actually too close to the issue, so he's too emotive? So if he is, then really, Team Mustafa could do with somebody to be taking on that role, and and you know maybe pushing dad out of the limelight and taking him away from, you know, getting involved, making comments that don't help. Um, I, I mean, if you look through sport, um, particularly in tennis, I'm trying to think of the, the different examples of of, of parents that, uh, you know, became vilified and became a sideshow and a distraction to what their, 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 uh, their children were Andre achieving. Andre Agassi comes to mind. I mean, I read that uh, biography, uh, Open, his autobiography. Yeah. Uh, I mean, that, he was quite young, but his father, I mean, that whole thing where his father was taking advantage of him and yep. <laughs> betting <laughs> when he was a yeah. junior, young kid. But obviously uh, that changed later. Yep. And well, I mean, if you look at it more recently, uh, Novak Djokovic's father can't help but put his foot in it. Um, I mean, we had comments from him about Roger Federer. I, I think there was there was comments from him that he, Roger Federer had, had I don't know ostracised or threatened uh, Novak Djokovic when he was young and up and coming. Then is it Shriban Sh or whatever you pronounce it gets his picture taken with Russian guys at the Australian Open. Um, you know, and uh, you know, so uh, parents can, you know, really exacerbate things. And uh, th there's lessons all through sports that uh, you know, Team Asal maybe want to to look at in that respect. Uh, I just think they could do with somebody uh, acting as a, a front point for them that 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 maybe you know can take the emotion out of it, and and you know, um, that would be a help. That would be a help. Absolutely. Uh, I mean, one thing just to add to what you said, uh, uh, you know, uh, Miss uh, the father, uh, Mahmoud, I believe his name is, yep. Uh, yep. he's put out that, you know, the conspiracy theory stuff yep. there uh, shortly after the ban. But it's been pretty, at least unless I've missed something, it, you know, there's a bit of a firestorm after that, but it's been pretty quiet since then. I think may, yeah. maybe he may, hopefully... Uh, I mean, who knows? Maybe not, but maybe he reflections how 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 silly it was. Yeah. Uh, but then also one one thing that, and you might be able to to comment on this. We never we never hear anything from uh, Asal's whoever it is, his coach. We never yep. hear any. I mean, you know, you hear from guys like Rodney Martin. You hear from yep. guys like Rob Owen. You hear from Whale El Hindi. You hear from David Campion. You hear all these uh, coaches yeah. coming out supporting their players, talking about you know this is what we're doing, and you know the you know Rodney Martin's the first one to tell you that uh, Marwan's got sort of work on his mental issues, right? Or his, yeah. his, you know, but where where's the Saul's coach? What, what's he? You know, why hasn't he or someone? Uh, anyone else but his father come out and say something? Yeah, well, uh, th that's a very valid point, Jerry, because, of course, the coach, that would be intrinsic to the technical issues, the movement issues that are all central to that to this whole ban mm -hmm. and, and the perception of dangerous play. And uh, I can tell you that I've actually emailed Mustafa with the link to Jahangir Khan's interview and requested an interview with his coach, if he can help me out in that, um, because I, I think it's so important. So, uh, yeah, uh, hopefully we get something back from, from him. But it, it has all gone quiet. But just to bring it back to Jahangir, very interesting that Jahangir expressed his concern. You know, I mean, I, I thought there was a paternal aspect to Jahangir's interview, which was really good. Uh, you know, as befits the, the greatest player of all time. Yeah. Um, you know, the, the record Britain, British Open champion 10 times. Um, you know, so uh, there's a, it's almost like he's got a duty of care there to young Asal. And, and everything that he's, he's offered in that interview, it wasn't criticism. It was from a, a helpful point of view. And, and you know, Mustafa, have you thought about it this way? That, that That's what he was trying to say. And, um, mm. yeah, so so hopefully Mustafa will, will read it. And uh, you never know. We, we might get yeah. some kind of reaction. <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, the, I mean, he's received criticisms from uh, other other big name you know coaches out there, uh, but the the criticism was harsh and it was pointed and and it was very sort of a negative 
yeah. and I can see why Saul took issue with it. He can't. He sp he said to me, you know, why don't they come and tell me that to my face? Absolutely, that kind of yep. thing. But uh, this is different, right? Uh, yeah. Jahangir, and, and it's a great article. Uh, Jahangir just basically said, look, um, you know, I, I think you're a great player. I think you've got the ability, um, you know, if you, you know, I think probably you know what you're doing, though, right? You know yeah. what you're doing. You can change that. He's it. Yeah. You can change that. And uh, yeah. he can. He can easily change it. Uh, yep. He's got all the squash ability and he's got all the charisma that's the that's the one thing he has to change. If he uh, does that, the squash yeah, world's going to be a better. Yeah, the, the other concern here is that uh, he clearly wasn't fit at Canary Wharf. Now, now we're talking about a ban, and and I'm wondering what's he what's he doing during that ban? Because of course the worlds aren't too far away. I mean, I know we're we're, we're leapfrogging the British Open, which starts tomorrow, but. Uh, in his semi-final with Joe Macon, he was playing with an open mouth, sucking in oxygen from halfway through the fourth game. And I actually thought Joe Macon got his tactics wrong. Um, if he if he concentrated on keeping the ball in play to the maximum and the tempo up, and not got involved in the whole confrontations, which yeah. which gave Mustafa a breather, basically. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I, I mean, he very nearly came a cropper, but Mustafa, you know, was bust and. I think he was eight five up in the in the fifth, was it? And that that was it. He was done. But I think Joe could have got that game done quicker if he just you know made sure the ball was in play, maximum time at maximum tempo. So yeah. so for me, uh, going beyond the British Open, there's now going to be a big question mark over what kind of uh, shape Mustafa will be in when we get to the Worlds. But he ain't in a uh, uh, Birmingham this week, and 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 from a speaking from a purely squash uh, point of view, that's a big big miss because as Jahangir said, nobody really plays the game like Mustafa does. You know the the explosivity of movement, the the firepower, the extra set forehand, uh, you, the overheads into the nicks that he just I mean he he hits he hits the nick at hundred miles an hour. You know yeah. you can <laughs> you can feather it in like Tarek Moman, which yeah. is great, or you can absolutely cream it like the yeah. big man does, and 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 all of that. He's got well, an that, 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 that backhand volley nick that he hit against uh, Diego on match ball down. I mean, yeah. Yeah, awesome. turns the whole match around right there. That's... Yeah, yeah, but that, that that's exactly why he's so exciting and why yeah. he's box office and 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 why he's going to be a miss uh, this week. And and uh, you know, moving on to the British Open, it's an interesting one because it's it's looking a bit like a case of last man standing. Mm, no, it is. Let's take a look at the the British Open, RJ. Um, now the. Uh, just first of all, you might be able to comment on this because I'm not, uh, uh, and maybe several of many of our listeners might not be familiar with Birmingham squash and uh, what is it, Egg Eggbass Edge Baston Priory, Edge Baston Priory, which is where the the first maybe and second round matches are going to be yeah. held. So, uh, just in brief, maybe speak to uh, to the venue if you don't mind. Yeah, well, it's a historic club. Um, a during Jonah Barrington's reign as British Open champion in the early seventies, I think he actually won one of these titles at Edgebaston Priory. So in the past, it has held a British Open at least one. Um, but we're talking about traditional courts, and uh, and obviously traditional courts bring a different metric uh, to the party when uh, you've got you know the the, the top level guys. A you know used to playing on a you know the 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 state of the art PSA World mm -hmm. Tour court, um, so that to me I, I think you know that could spell danger early rounds, um, mm -hmm. and uh, you know there's a couple of of interesting uh, matchups uh, which um, I think we've got to have a wee look at. Um, well, let, let's take a look at the uh, yeah. Let's take a look at the um, the men's draw first, RJ. Yeah. Uh, yeah. First of all, we've got the four. We got uh, just in terms of the favorites. There's uh, if we're if we're talking about uh, on the men's side, we've got uh, obviously Ali, uh, defending yep. uh, defending champion, three uh, looking for his third in a row. Paul Cole, yep. uh, Mohamed El Shabagi, and Diego. Now those right. are those are the four guys. Uh, okay. That look well, what's, what's, before we go into the draw, Jerry. Let's yeah. just talk about fitness. 
because sure. that's the big thing, you know. Hey, you can take the horse to the well, but you can't make it drink, especially if it's lame. <laughs> you know, you're <laughs> going to get it to the well. <laughs> oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah. So, so if if we look at them, then um, Mohammed El Sharbagi has had a groin adductor issue, um, which obviously flared up uh, again. It's yeah. flared up twice. Um, I'm assured by an insider from Team El Sharbagi that. Uh, uh, the raging, no, sorry, sorry, good God, uh, the, the beast has uh, come through fitness uh, tests with his brother Marwan at Bristol, so he's good to go, they're confident yeah. he can last. So that's great news, because obviously uh, he's an Englishman now, a proud yeah. Englishman, a Bristolian, uh, <laughs> which, uh, you know, he, that brings extra impetus to it. And uh, I can flag a squash mad interview on Monday that I've got with him going up when he'll be talking about his dream for this British Open. There, ha there is one massive motivation for uh, Mohammed to win this British Open, and uh, that that's a nice wee read for uh, all squash fans. Out I, I think I know what it is. Can I? Can I? Am I allowed to guess? Yeah, yeah, you guess ahead. Yeah, yeah. It's it's the Jonah Barrington connection. Well, you're an American, and uh, you know about the Fifth Amendment, don't you, Jerry? <laughs> I'm Canadian, so, but I know about the Fifth Amendment. Yeah. Right, well, that's good. That's good. That's good. That's good. But um, I just wanted to uh, just to pick up on that because um, I someone just sent me the feed of a live match going on there on those courts. It was a practice match between Diego and Mohammed, and they were huh? and uh, Mohammed looked very, very, very good. He was just I just watched it and. Right. and he was looking good, like moving around the court like a, like he was 17 years old. Uh, yeah. And Diego, yeah. Diego looked okay as well. But uh, yeah. Yeah, in terms of you know just you know the uh, the eye test from that from that uh, yeah. with his game with Diego, he looks like he's ready to roll. Well, that's very interesting because yeah, that that I had confirmation of that about an hour ago. Um, yeah, from uh, somebody who's right in Team El Sharbagi. Uh, you mentioned Diego, Diego Elias. Of course, he has had these injury issues. Um, yeah. I, I've actually, I did an interview with Jonathan Power for the BSA uh, World Championship programme. And um, he was playing it very cagey. But that, that was about a fortnight ago now. Um, and uh, yeah, he, he, he seemed to be cautiously optimistic. So what you're saying confirms that, which is good. Yeah. However, it's he's one got a thing... tough draw, doesn't he? I mean, he's he's playing Joel on his basically his his home court, right? First, second yeah. round. Yeah, so yeah. How, that's... How, do you, how do you see that going? Well, that is going to be the ultimate test of a uh, Diego's fitness. Let's face it, Joel yeah. Macon comes for war. I mean, he brings the thunder, doesn't he? He won't <laughs> he back down the golden tanga, snarling away. Uh, and, he, you know, he if listen, if anybody is going to give you a test of your fitness and your mobility, it's going to be Joe Macon because he will not go away. And yeah. and obviously, he's playing well. You know, he's had yeah, good yeah. results. Um, I, was, I was going to, you know, I've got... Uh, there's a group of guys, maybe four players, who I think are dark horses for this tournament, and Joe Macon is certainly one of them. Mm -hmm. And uh, Diego getting him in the second round uh, on a traditional court, well, that's a tough ask. And uh, the way that uh, I mean, yeah, Diego seemed to be the last time they played. Uh, uh, that was at Canet was when uh, Diego lost to uh, to Joel. That was Canary, wasn't it? Um, uh, I think so. Yes, I think yeah, so. Yeah. Yep. But that in that match, I mean, uh, Joel just seemed to, he seemed to have the the right sort of game plan. It just seemed like because, as you know, uh, Diego's Diego's a real rhythm. He's a very rhythm player. He plays in rhythm, and yep. uh, Joel was just on top of every ball quickly and, and put it. It wasn't like he was it wasn't like he was fetching the ball in that match. He he was hunting it and putting Diego on. He was the one putting Diego under pressure. Yeah, yeah, because he was but, so quick it, on every shot, yeah. and it wasn't like he was just you know, normally we think of Joel against these guys and he gets everything back, and yeah, you know, he plays hard and plays tough. But in that particular tournament, and I think it's a, maybe his new uh sort of approach to the game, he's more hunting these balls rather than fetching. Uh, uh, yeah, well, he, he's got a new coach, hasn't he? Yeah, uh, who, who is that? His new coach, I, I'm not. <laughs> It's a, a PSA commentator. P 
PAC commentator. PAC, PAC, PSA commentator. Was it yeah. uh, PSA commentator? Okay, Johnny, Johnny Williams, right? Okay, well, yeah. John, Johnny's the notorious, uh, well known for being one of the fittest guys on the tour when he was uh, playing. Yep. Hard as nails. Love Johnny. Well, I, I've actually, I did ask Johnny for an interview, but uh, he feels that he can't do that because it's, a, you know, it would be a bit of a conflict of interest with his uh, his role. But uh, just to go back to uh, Joe and Diego, that match, to me, Diego, I think as you alluded to in terms of rhythm, um, he likes time to settle on the ball and Joe didn't give him it. And, yeah. and the other thing that's quite apparent is Joe's front court game is uh, developing with every tournament. So he, he now has weapons to hurt these guys other than just, you know, the, the fitness and, and making everything a war. Um, and, and, and obviously to win a tournament like the British Open, you, you need a couple of easier rounds. You know, yeah, yeah. It, it can't be five sets every time. No way. No. Um, so I think this isn't just a big test for Diego Elias. It's also a test for Joe Meekin. Yeah. Um, oh, 100%. 100. He's going to, Joel will want, uh, he'll want to prove that the first time wasn't uh, a fluke. And uh, and also he'll want to prove that, you know, he's he's got the game to to take it all the way. He that That's the, the attitude he had in the last few events. I mean, in his interviews, he just seemed so, so confident in himself, didn't he? Yeah, yeah. No, he, he, it's like somebody has got has given him the key, he's unlocked the door, and, uh, you know, he, he knows what he needs to do to uh, get the crown jewels. Absolutely. Now, just in terms of, uh, you know, the rest of the draw, uh, Ali Farag, um, I mean, obviously, yeah. if, he, if he's playing to his ability, then he's, you know, one of the the favorite, if not, uh, you know, one of the favorites, if not the favorite. But I just didn't in the last couple of events. I just didn't get the feeling that he's back to one hundred percent. He just seemed to seems still, despite you know some good results and playing some good squash, he still seems uh, a, seemed a bit off. Well, it's interesting you see that, of course. Uh, squash mad. We had an interview with him last Friday, and uh, he admitted that himself. I mean, he, he said that his match with Paul Cole um, in the uh, semi-finals um, at Canary Wharf was the best match of his comeback to date. I, I mean, an absolute epic. Mm. Uh, what are we talking? A four-set match with three tie breaks uh, in it, including a 17-19. Um, and and then he didn't quite back it up at the Optasia, um, which was was definitely a a source of a of, of frustration for him. Um, when obviously Mason Hesham uh, took him out three two. So yeah. Ali's getting better with every tournament. I don't I don't doubt about that. Um, and and obviously he's had a little bit a bit of a break, albeit the Egyptian Nationals in there as well. Um, but uh, I think. The British Open will come too quick for him, and I think he thinks that as well. Um, however, uh, with that behind him and a good run, deep, a deep run, uh, I think he'll be very much in the hunt uh, to defend his World Championship. You think um, he's laying the groundwork for the World Championship? Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, he, obviously, he would dearly love to win the British Open, you know. There, there's no doubt about that. Um, I think, what is it, three last three finals he's been in? Um but uh, yeah, it's uh, one of those ones where it's possibly just too soon. Um, so yeah, so that's interesting. So you've got Farag coming back. Uh, you've got Elias and Elsha Baggy with still with question marks over them yeah. in terms of fitness, and th 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 those question marks won't go away until we'll deepen the tournament and they come through tough match, tough matches, and then of course uh, Asal won't be playing, and then Paul Cole. Yeah. So he, he, Cole, it looks like it's his for the taking, doesn't it? Well, you know, you've got to say not nicely. At, yeah, if you look <laughs> at all the positives for him, he's the defending champion. Um, he's just pocketed a uh, Canary Wharf, which is his first tournament win. I don't know, is it his first tournament win since last year's British Open? Which you know, it might well be. Um, yeah. uh, certainly, first significant to a uh, win since uh, the British, and of course. After that British Open, Rob Owen, his co coach, was, was, you know, effusive in the belief that, you know, 
his man was going to run the show, was going to rule it. And I, I think, uh, you know, I mean, to be fair, Paul won that tournament without dropping a game and and, and looked really dominant. At the time, you know, the, the way that he, he won the final, you, you, you're thinking, well, people have run out of ideas um, in, in terms of how to, to hurt him. But you you do wonder if, if you know, there is a bit of collateral, a bit of mental staleness, maybe. Is that what's what's gone wrong? Is that why he's slightly gone off the boil? Um, but, you know, he, he's come through at Canary Wharf. He, he had that absolute epic with, with uh, Ali in the semi-finals, and he's defending, two-time defending champ. So, yeah. as you say, timing's pretty good uh, for a for a three-peat for Mr. Cole. And he's all, he took, uh, he didn't play Optasia, so obviously he's a... Uh, Fresh. He's prepping for this one and, and the world championships. Yeah. Well, he's been, he's been a, a, he's been working with Rob Bowen at West Warwick's all week. Uh, him and his good lady arrived on Monday, I believe. Uh, so, you know, they, they've, they've got, obviously got a nice little uh, block in there and uh, they'll know exactly what he needs to do. Um, and uh, right now you would have to say taken into all, all the other factors, Paul Cole fit, Paul Cole back to to forum with a win. Paul Cole defending champion, twenty twenty three British Open champion. Who's the favourite? Paul, Paul Cole. Cole. That, that that's my prediction on the men's side as well. Yeah. yeah. Um, just a cup. Just a couple of other dark horses before we move on to to the men, to the ladies. Uh, Kareem Abdul Gawad winning Abkhazia. Yep. Uh, I think. Uh, might be a little bit too soon for him as well, given you know the talent in this draw. But uh, he looked superb. He looked like the Kareem of old, uh, winning Optasia. He got sort of, you know, his wins there were 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 amazing. And the way he played in the final against uh, Yusuf Solomon without dropping a game, he looked fantastic. Uh, he's a he's definitely a dark horse there. I think. Interesting. Uh, sorry, yeah. What, what I was going to say is, of course. What's interesting in terms of uh, Mr. Gawad is uh, his draw and uh, a certain cannonball getting ready to fire uh, in his <laughs> uh, stratosphere. Uh, again, uh, you know, if you're, you're talking on a traditional coat, wow, you know, I mean, that that, that brings a whole new dimension to it. But, um, you know, as you said, Jerry, uh, he, he was He's absolutely... got some British Open memories, that guy. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Hey, well, they both have. Um, yeah, but, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, but uh, I mean, he was majestic uh, at Optasia. He, he he certainly was. I mean, he he he's just effortless. He glides around the court. He yeah. sees the shot before you know the ball's anywhere near his racket. It's you know it's almost like the, the, he's already pictured the ball in the neck before he hits the ball. Um, and and the touch that he's got, and and I thought his movement was really good. Um, you know, and it was economical. I mean, there's there's a grace to his movement. There's, yeah. It's almost Kareem Abdel Gawad in full flow is almost like watching Roger Federer uh, yeah. on a tennis court when it comes to movement. That that's the best analogy, analogy I can or comparison I can give. Um, it's the same but, analogy uh, Alex Goff gave uh, on my pod uh, just a, a few weeks ago. He said uh, that's what he's like. He he's like the Roger Federer of squash. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I, I absolutely agree with them. But can, can he back it up again and again, going deep? Because obviously winning Optasia was all well and good, but he didn't. Uh, he wasn't beating the absolute elite, was he? And he wasn't having to beat the absolute elite in consecutive matches. And that's what he's going to have to do at Birmingham. And that's the big question mark for, for, for me with him. I've got him in my dark horses group. Yeah. So my dark, my dark horses group uh, are... Joel Meakin, who we've discussed, yep. a, uh, Gawad, who we've discussed, and two more. Mason Hesham. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. I like him a lot. I like him a lot, the Falcon. Uh, and I think uh, what he's got now is a growing belief that on any given day, he can take out anybody. Now, the big problem for him is he's got an injury, an underlying injury uh, issue. Uh, he's got a, yeah. a, a labral hip tear and an impingement to his right hip, which he's been managing since last year's British Open, and he decided not to go for surgery last summer and to, to try and manage it and get through. 
and uh, that caught up with him uh, at the Optesia when he had a real chance to make the final, but he couldn't back up the Ali Farag victory when yeah. he when he played his compatriot, Mr. Solomon, in the next round. Um, that, and, that was an that, epic battle. That was a great, great, great oh, yeah. match. And I, I was it's, supremely yeah. impressed with Solomon in that match. Yeah. Uh, really yeah. impressed with him. But Mason, too, uh, he just showed he, he had the physical, he physically, I mean, he hung in there. Like a lot of yeah. times he gives up. But he didn't yeah, yeah. Uh, in that match. Yeah. Well, he, he told one me game, he, but uh, <laughs> he, he told me he was bust after the third set, um, so or the third game, sorry. So uh, yeah, so I, I I don't think Mason can back it up, but I think he can beat anybody, and and the fact that he's beaten Ali Farag. Uh, that's a massive confidence boost because Ali Farag has always been a bet noir for him. Um, so yeah, yeah uh, he's definitely in there. And and it, let's throw in another one. Uh, sure. Let's throw in, in one of our amis, Monsieur Baptiste Massotti. Massotti, yes, yes. Why yes. not? Yeah. No, I mean, again, he's got all the shots. Uh, you know, perhaps you would say that mentally a bit flaky, uh, but mm. you know what? He put it together uh, last time out, and uh, has he has he got a, a chance to go deep? Well, well, I'm sure he has. And uh, let's see. However, however, what a first round for him, James Wilstrop, the James marksman. Wilson. Yeah, yeah, the marksman. If anyone's going to uh, upset the apple cart there, uh, if, if there is one, uh, it's definitely uh, James. But um, uh, yeah, I couldn't agree more. The dark horses for me as well: Joel Macon, Kareem Abdul Gawad. Uh, Mezen Hisham, and I didn't include uh, Baptiste on my list, but uh, definitely add will add him uh, uh, given given the the recent form he's had. Uh, let's take a look at the uh, well, just in terms of first round matches to watch. Just before we move on, obviously, or first and second round matches, obviously yeah. the Gawad uh, Cannonball, uh, the Colombian Cannonball, Miguel Rodriguez. Yeah. Don't want to miss that one. Uh, uh, obviously Diego and and Macon. That's box that that you know. Get your popcorn out out for that one. And uh, one of the er, one of the first round matches that's sort of intriguing to me. It's going to be a good one. Is a the uh, Ali Abu Elian and uh, and uh, Nathan Lake match that could be yeah. uh, that could be a good one as well. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, there's uh, there's one I'd add to that. Um, I, I've always found George Parker a supremely interesting character, and he's playing a compatriot of mine, Greg Lobin, and uh, oh, that, yeah. that's a that's an interesting one. There's always there's always potential for a uh, uh, fireworks when Mister Parker uh, <laughs> comes on the court. Um, so yeah, that's one I'll be I'll be paying a bit of attention to. But yeah, it's a uh, it's really interesting. Uh, I'm down in Birmingham this week for quarterfinals. Uh, on behalf of Squash Mad, Thursday and Friday, and uh, you know, I'm I'm really looking forward to that. I think there'll be some cracking squash uh, on show, um, and uh, yeah, I, I think um, the men's draw is looking really, really open because of the reasons that we've spoken about. Um, yeah. But uh, yeah, I keep coming back to Paul Cole. Absolutely, I'm I'm with you on that one. Now let, let's uh, let's take a look at, look at the ladies. Uh, sure. You know, obviously, uh, you've got three of them that are the heavy, heavy favorites. I would say Noren yep. Gohar, world number one, Haniel Hamami, uh, defending champion, and uh, absolute legend. All of them are, but uh, Norel Sherbini, uh, yep. six-time world uh, champion, I believe. Um, now yep. you've uh, you've got these these three there that are the heavy favorites. Uh, wouldn't you agree there? Yeah, I, I don't think there's any doubt. I, I mean, no disrespect to Joe King, who's seeded fourth and in uh, Gohar's half, uh, or in fact, uh, Amanda Sobey, yeah. who really, I, I I would say that Amanda Sobey is probably the player that has done the most to try and close that gap to the big three, um, principally because her movements got better. Yeah. Um, but, you know, also you have to credit her uh, because, of course, the Achilles injury. I mean, when you've had, and of course, Joe King went through that as well. So, mm. you know, you've got to credit both of them, in fact. Um, a, a terrible thing to try and overcome when you're a, a professional athlete and you're, you're absolute prime. But, you know, you, you come back to it and, uh, you know, who outside of those three has won any of the majors in the last X, Y, Z years? I mean, are we? I would. I might be right in saying actually going back to Cami Cern. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, I think possibly, so. Yeah. Possibly, 
possibly. Yeah. For a man of my advanced dotage, I probably got that wrong. But uh, that, that, that's <laughs> I think, I think, yeah, it's it's a it's a pretty good guess, uh, Robert. I I think uh, Camille was one of the you know she she would always sort of be there with them a little bit like like Joel and Amanda are now. Yeah. Uh, yeah, but yeah, uh, but uh, any predictions there? I mean, I, uh, I'm going with uh, with Noran. I think this time around, I think uh, she want she will ha- she'll she'll want to win this one. Uh, yeah, I, I think uh, Hanya obviously will want to defend the title. She took uh, she's taken a bit more time off, I think, than uh, yep. than Nor uh, Noran has. Uh, but then you can never write as soon as you write off uh, Norel Sherbini, boom, she wins. So yeah. Yeah, <laughs> I, I think what's interesting is that um, this, with Hanya being the defending champion, this is going to be an examination, a different examination from her. She, it's hers to lose. She's the defending champion. So yeah. mentally, how does she cope with, in fact, although she's not what, number one or two in the world, she's the hunted because she's the defending champion. So how does she cope with that? Is her mindset different? Because... As we know, her, her, her stated goal is to become world number one and, 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 and win multiple majors. She's won that first one. Now she's got to defend it. Her ability to do that, or at least to mount a very impressive defence of it if she fails, uh, will tell us a lot about her and, and just what her destiny is. However, she is the only one who's shown an ability to take out Sherbini and Gohar in the same tournament. Mm. I mean, she the, the mo- most recently I think was Hong Kong. Um, when, I, when I, if memory serves, she might well have taken out Amanda Sobey in the quarterfinals. Um, but she had a really hard, hard draw and came through the lot of them. And she's now done. She's now done the Gohar El Shabini double uh, on several, maybe three, certainly two, maybe three. So mm. she can do that, and she knows she can do that. But she's a defending champ, and that's a different aspect. Yeah. Obviously, obviously, El Shabini and Gohar have both won uh, British Opens before. Um, Gohar's world number one. She hoovers up the second tier type tournaments, but she's not completely dominant in the the, the majors. And to me, that that's still the big proven point for her. She's mm. got to be winning these majors now. You know, I mean, what yeah. what her goal has got to be? She's been number one for what the last year. This year, she needs to win the British Open and the World Championship in the same year. That, to me, has got to be her target to, yeah, to yeah. really back it up. And, you know, she's number one. Yeah, that's fine. You're number one because have you played more tournaments than anybody else? Have you won more lesser grade tournaments than anybody else? Um, but what happens when we get to the British and the world? So, to me, if if, if she can win both of these tournaments, then, she, you know, that, that that's that's huge. That's absolutely huge. And as you said, El Sherbini, um, you know, you write her off. And, and she proves you wrong. Yeah. But uh, she's got wear and tear issues, obviously, with the knee. Um, mm. And, and you know, that there's always going to be that question mark there. But she's got the uh, the, the general, the general, Mr. Gautier there. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, you know, they, they seem to have got, got gone very well. Interestingly, again, with the coaching aspect, um, you've got Rodney Martin with Gohar, which obviously is working very well. And you've got Gohar's former coach, Omar Abdelaziz yeah, with yeah. Hanya. So, that, I mean, that's a very interesting backstory subplots going on there. Um, yeah. You know, if I, if I had to beat a rival, I would certainly be very happy to have that rival's long-standing coach in my corner. Oh, absolutely, for sure. Yeah. Um, now, so it's, uh, it's now, I was just going to say, uh, the one thing that we know about Hanya is when her back is against the wall, that's when, yep. to me, that, that's when she plays her best. You know, when she, you know, when think, you know, that that tournament a few was it last year where she she had her knees all bandaged up and she yeah. was and she came back uh, it was against Gohar, came out yep. and, and won that match. Uh, uh matches where she she's got her back against the wall. She she's a fierce, fierce competitor. Now as you mentioned, um, you know, she's the defending champion. Will she be as fierce as defend as a defending champion? I think so. I think that's just in her DNA. She's just, yeah. you know, when she gets on court with, especially with Gohar, when she gets on court <laughs> with her, is she just flips uh, the switch and and it becomes an all out war. 
And go the kitten's the got way. claws, Jerry. The kitten's got claws. Yeah, yeah. Oh, it, it, it. I mean, that that that's the match. I think more than any, even on the men's side, that I would want to watch. Yeah, uh, yeah. But but that that's the great thing, Jerry. You know, you you can see for a fact that a uh, that there's at least two matches in that women's tournament that are going to provide an intensity and a ferocity that will be the equal, if not the superior, to anything we'll see in the men's draw. Yeah, at least two matches. Um, so yeah, absolutely. I, you know, I'll be looking forward to these. Um, you know, just to talk a couple of, of the other ladies in the field. Yes. Sarah Jean, Sarah Jean Perry, the the you know the great home hope now thirty two. Um, obviously, you know she's a, a Birmingham girl. This is massive for her. Um, she won an absolute epic uh, to take the bronze medal at Commonwealth Games, beating Joe King um, last year. Um, and the home support, you know, we, we had an interview with Squash Mad with her on Monday. She said how important the home support were in helping her dig deep, deep, deep and keep digging. So, you know, this is a huge tournament for her because uh, I would say she's been a British Open finalist before, lost to Laura Massaro uh, six, seven years back and at Hull, I think it was. I would say probably if Sarah Jane is ever going to win a major, then this would have to be it because of the home advantage. And and she's got the game to go deep. I know that she's she's fit. Again, she's been in training uh, with Rob Owen this week at West Warwick's um, with a, a certain... She's uh, fit, is she, RJ? Yes, 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 yes. yes. She's, that, that, she's that's happy. That's the key. That's the key. She's not going to have an easy second-round match if Siva Supermanium gets through. Yes, yeah, absolutely. She's the type of player who might give SJ a bit of trouble because I mean she doesn't have she doesn't have a great you know shot selection Siva but she she moves around the court well she hits the ball hard uh but I think SJ's hold SJ's hold might uh, if she's fit that could be the the deciding yeah. factor in that match well and the other thing is you know although Siva's come back well at the the Canadian I think it was um there's still got to be question marks in terms of that horrific accident, you know, yeah. and 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 if you're not 100% fit, then Sarah Jean Perry is going to ask questions with that yeah. hold, with the disguise, and just with a, a sheer awkwardness uh, that she brings to the court. She puts you in places you don't want to be. Um, well, I said, I was saying the other day to some, I forget who it was, but I was just saying she's one of the, one of the few girls who can give anybody trouble, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just yeah, because yeah, of the, you know, she's not going to beat Gohar or uh, Hamami, but she's going to give them trouble, win a game, maybe two. Yeah. yeah. Well, she she did that against Gohar in their last meeting. Was yeah. unlucky not to actually win two games. Uh, and, the, and the big, she said to me herself that she wasn't fit enough to see that through. Well, she thinks she's fit enough to see these matches through now going into this bridge. So let's see what she's got to bring. Georgina Kennedy, the yep. other the other home hope. One of my favourites. Yeah, great, great uh, memories for her of her last visit to Birmingham when she won the Commonwealth Gold. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, you know, again, no, how, how is she? Is her health allowing mm. her to be as fit as she would hope to be? Well, we'll find, we'll, we'll find out. One match, uh, RJ, that... It's definitely uh, going to be worth watching too. Is uh, Olivia uh, Klein and Amanda Sobe? I mean, they're they're Absolutely. playing first round. Absolutely, uh, Klein, Klein's on fire. She, she, yeah, yeah, she's yeah, fit. Yeah, yeah. Yep. Yeah, no, it's, it's 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 potentially very interesting, and uh, somebody else in terms of uh, a, a player that can go deep. I think you need to have a look at Olivia Fichter. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, the American ladies are are strong, strong. these days. Yeah. Yeah. The yeah. Yanks are coming. The Yanks are coming. Uh, uh, one other match. I just had uh, tomato, tomato or tomato. She <laughs> she preferred. She prefers to be called tomato. Tomato ho on my podcast. Uh, oh, you see tomato. I see tomato. Yeah, she she prefers tomato, but uh, well, there you go. Uh, I called her tomato. But <laughs> and did you did you get that one right off the vine there, Jerry? Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, but uh, anyways, she's got a first round match with uh, Hannah Montez. And Hannah yep. uh, uh, played number one for Harvard, another one of these standout Egyptian players. But it just seems like whatever Mike Way produces or whoever he has uh, there at Harvard, whoever's playing number one, they end up hitting the ground running uh, yeah. right from the get-go. And, uh, you know, you've got Amanda, you've got Gina, you've got Ali, uh, you've got uh, Sabrina. 
Uh, she, I'm not sure if he, she played number one. She might have been number two. But uh, Hannah uh, up against uh, Tomato in the first. I mean, Tomato's had a good, uh, a, a very good season. This uh, she's she semis in Cleveland and uh, Canada, I believe, in Calgary. Uh, she right. took out Tesney uh, Evans, uh, S.J. Perry. Uh, yep. uh, so she's had some big wins. Yeah, and, yeah. Uh, you know that'll be a good. That'll be a match uh, that I would reckon. Uh, uh, be worth watching as well amongst the, the the early round matches for the women. Yep, yep. No, some again, some great great squash the whole way through uh, this week. I think in both draws. Yeah. So predictions one more time, RJ, before we uh, before we finish up here, men's. Well, I, I, I can't see past Paul Cole. I, I really can't. I take Mason Hesham to cause damage, but I don't think he can stay the course. Um, I think Ali, uh, I'm, I'm looking at Ali, definitely a semi-finalist, um, but can, can he really go push through? Might be too early, might be too early. Um, we should also mention Uncle Tarek moaning, sorry, moaning. Um, yeah, he, <laughs> a very dangerous man. The man with the super soft hands that any yeah, self-respecting oh. surgeon would give millions for. My God. Um, he, his his shot-making... Uh... Oh, he just plays tremendous. the ball forward so well and then covers it so well. Yep. Uh, testament to Joel Macon because he handled yeah. it. He, he, yeah, he did. He did. Yeah, he, did. he played so yeah. well in that match. Yeah. But I think Tarek's dangerous um, and uh, and he's not lost his speed, has he? He no. hasn't lost a mid, well in his mid-30s now and he hasn't lost a yard. Um, so, yeah, he could do some damage. Uh, but, yeah, uh, I, I, yeah, I think... I, I, just keep coming back. The evidence is saying Paul Cole. Uh, yeah, Paul Cole for me as well, RJ. Uh, he's definitely, uh, I'm uh, I'm picking him to win with the Joel Macon uh, dark horse there. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Well, uh, yeah, definitely. Because I think out of the, the my dark horse group, Macon, Hesham, Gawad, uh, and, and uh, Maserati, sorry, Masotti. Uh, Maserati. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Joel Macon is the one that can last the course. Yeah, out of that well, group, it's going to be an. Uh, I mean, that's the the second round match you want to watch. That one with with uh, Diego, uh, yeah, Joel. I've seen big his. Uh, I've seen his uh, Instagram uh, videos. He's been posting, and it, it's all he's all business right now. So yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. On the ladies, RJ, what do you got? Who do you got? Uh, that's really really tough. Really mm-hmm. tough. tough. Um, I, I think the key match. Would be if you had a Hamami Sherbini semi final, and if Hamami wins that, I'd pick Hamami to win. Yeah. Um, uh, Gohar, uh, she's got the, and I don't mean any disrespect, but she has got the easier half of the draw. Um, and everybody that's in her half of the draw, she beats. Yes. So I, I, she's going to be in that final. If she's fit um, and uh, she's been busy doing uh, fashion shoots for, uh, is it Cosmo or Vogue Middle Vogue, East? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so uh, she seems to be fit, uh, no pun intended. Um, and, uh, yeah, so you would have to say, you know, she's short odds to make that final. Um, if Hanya, yeah, as I say, if Hanya beats El Sherbini, I fancy her to win that match. Um, because of the boost she'll have got gotten from that, she holds Nurel Shabini in such high regard, and also there's that then personal enmity and rivalry between her and Goa. And if she goes into that final on a high as defending champion, well, she isn't going to take a backward step. Um, however, if Sherbini beats Hamami, and again, no disrespect to anybody else, and, and uh, you know, me picking these two to, to be in that semi final then you've still got to say, how quickly does Sherbini get off the court if she beats Hamami? How fresh is she going to be in the final? Um, can she back it up? So, yeah, yeah. so that's a kind of fudge, really. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I, I'm going with, uh, my gut tells me it's uh, Noran Gohar. Uh, I yep. think she'll, uh, even if she plays Hamami, but that'll be the match uh of the tournament for me if they get to the yeah. final, but uh, you know, uh, Noran needs, she's got a bit of a tendency to tighten up in those matches yeah, yeah. against Hamami uh, and, and yeah. uh, Shabini. She, uh, she wants it too bad. That, yeah. That's a problem. She wants it too bad. And you know, you can, you can add all the shots to the armory you want, but if a player gets tight, 
Uh, I believe it's called it's a condition known as over arousal. Uh, if you if you get tight, then uh, you know you don't play the shots. You know you, you're playing Frank Bruno squash. You're, you're totally <laughs> yeah, yeah. almost muscle bound. You know through the shoulders. There's no feel, no touch. That's all gone. And 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 and, and uh, you're right, Jerry. There's still a question mark over Nurin Goha, which seems ridiculous given that she's now a, a world number one of a, of a year and beyond. But yeah, I think you, you hit the nail on the head earlier. I mean, she's going to want to win these events. She's not going to be, I don't think, satisfied with yeah, you know, being the world number one simply because she's the most consistent player on tour getting to all finals. She'll want to yeah. win these events. RJ, yep. uh, you've been fantastic uh, with your time. Uh, always a pleasure. Uh, let's, make this, uh, let's make this more uh, regular thing. I'd love to have you back on that maybe uh, – Maybe after the season ends or before the world, maybe before the world championships, we can well, do it again. Well, let, let, let's go again before the worlds because then we'll be talking about another big interview that I've got coming my way with the one and only Jean Sharkan. Oh my so, goodness! Uh, okay, that's okay. Uh, that's 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 in the pipeline ahead of uh, the world champs. So it's a nice wee double for me as a journalist, Jahangir Khan before the British, the greatest yeah. ever British Open champion, and then the immortal Jansher before the world's the greatest ever world champ. And he'll have plenty to say with that wry, shy, uh, subtle sense of humour. I mean, I just uh, watched uh, the first two parts of the JP uh, documentary, yeah. and there's a, quite a bit of Jancher footage in there. And just the way he would uh, react to officials and react to his opponents, uh, that one let that uh, I think Power, they, they showed in the documentary, Power asked for a let, got the let. But it, uh, you could see it was a complete rollout, Nick. There was no way Power would have gotten through the ball. And just the look of sort of dismay on his face. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> I yeah, mean, I mean... And 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 it's so much. I mean, it's so much sort of. That that's what I miss about the squash. I mean, that that kind of, sort of the looks that players would give officials, yep, yep. but not really say anything, and then go back and and play. It get, just gets on the the players these days. They just, mo as you were saying earlier, moan moan quite a bit. Yeah, yeah. Oh, they like a good bitch, don't they? Eh? <laughs> <laughs> but uh, no, some great squash coming up. Uh, big, yeah, big time. Uh, looking really, really looking forward to it. And uh, many thanks uh, for coming on today. Brilliant. My pleasure, Jerry. You take care, son. Many thanks to RJ for that. Really great having him back on. Hopefully we can make this a regular uh, occurrence because he knows his stuff and he's very passionate, as you know, about the game. Check out all of his stuff on squashmad.com. And there's a really great piece up there uh, featuring an interview uh, that he did with the, the greatest of all time. Uh, arguably Jahangir Khan uh, so check that out on Squash Mad and many thanks to everybody for listening we'll be back very very soon David Campion could be our next uh, guest I believe so uh, stay tuned for that all the best with your squash enjoy the British Open goodbye now